0: Welcome to conversations about life.
1: Well, thanks, Bill, for being a guest on the podcast. And I'll introduce you a little bit, and then we'll just talk. I um, normally um, when I I normally tell my guest, well, I ask about. Their fundamental beliefs and their life experiences, but what I'm really interested in probably from someone like yourself is just you know what you've learned over the years through those experiences but as far as an introduction, you um, work and serve on the uh, real Grand Bible college campus right right and maintenance and things like that right and this is a uh, this campus, it's a ministry that, um, it's like a Bible college that trains um, Hispanic people in Spanish to minister
0: to in Hispanic areas. Is that how you would put it? Well, no, it's expanded beyond that. Okay. Uh, for many years, uh, the school was started in 1946 and started with that purpose to train Spanish-speaking people for the Spanish-speaking world. However, uh, in recent years, God has been doing a great work in Latin America and turning them toward world missions. And our student body uh, has become very missions-oriented. In fact, we're coming right up on our missions conference this year. And... uh, As a result, the focus of our ministry has changed. We are now encouraging our students to learn English because they can go to another country and get language training uh, from people who understand English much easier than trying to find someone who speaks Spanish in these other countries. Um, The... And the ministry itself has expanded also. We are now officially Rio Grande Bible Ministries because we have uh, three, four radio transmitters, uh, 24-hour day, -day seven-day-a-week radio programming. Uh, We are now offering online classes. We have students studying in Spanish around the world. Um, And so the the ministry has gotten much bigger than just the Bible college
1: can you hear everything okay yeah. okay up um, yeah. yeah. over your head alright so Sandy is joining us too. Bill's wife how long have you guys been here
2: since two thousand two, we came to visit shortly in two thousand one, and then um, started coming as volunteers in two thousand two. In two thousand
1: two, okay, so that's twenty years.
2: Yep. There you go. Good.
1: Um. So, I guess, I guess, kind of, just kind of going back. Um, like, how old were you guys when you first met each other? Nineteen. Nineteen? Yeah. You You're both nineteen? Yeah. And uh, what age were you when you got married? Twenty. Twenty? Okay. Yeah. You were young. I was young, too. I got married when I was eighteen. Wow.
0: How, how did you meet each other? I rode into a church where she was at on a motorcycle looking for a girlfriend.
1: Okay. So and you were pretty intentional then, huh?
0: Yeah. That was the only reason I went
1: yeah And um, And then it, it looks like your Your efforts were successful <laughs> if you Well, found...
0: somebody's were <laughs> <laughs>
1: Okay um, And then what were you all doing then Like when you first started off in your marriage um, You know, what w- what were you doing for em- employment
0: And just to make Well the... When we got married, I was working in a gas station, full service gas station in Southern California. Three months later, I was working in the oil field. And from there, it went one thing I was an out of fellowship Christian uh, and looking for something to satisfy me in life, and nothing was working. Mm-hmm. And so I never stayed at a job very long, I never stayed in one place very long. Uh got titer- tired of experiences about as fast as I'd experience them, and uh, it was pretty tough sledding.
2: And I was finishing last month of cosmetology school, and then did the state board, and then worked for a while.
1: Okay. And then... Um... And then did, did you work in cosmetology then after just, that?
2: Just for a short time. And then we moved. He came home one day and said we're moving to Compton and packed up the house. I told my employer we were moving, and a day later we were
0: out in Compton.
2: Out of, Compton. Wow. <laughs> and then I got a, sh- a sh- oh very short job there for a short time, and we only lived there for a few months. And then we moved to Long Beach, and we've lived in a lot of different places in our life. <laughs>
1: Long Beach, California, huh? Yes. So, what do you mean by out of fellowship
0: Christian? Well, when I was seven years old, uh, my dad, through the witness of a man he was working with, accepted Lord as his Savior. And... Uh, I don't remember exactly the sequence of things at that point, but we got uh, going to church as a family, and in a very short time, I accepted the Lord also at seven years old. I was baptized when I was nine, but then when I was twelve, I made a conscious decision that I was not going to be subject to anybody, and it started off with my parents and the school teachers. And then it became my rebellion against the police and then against God. And I lived like that for, well, actually until I was 27. Um, And God never turned loose on me, even though I turned my back intentionally on him. So um, so you decided you didn't want to
1: be subject to anybody, um, including God, So was that kind of like, um, so that was kind of like turning your back on
0: God, I guess. Like you were pretty intentional about it, it sounds like. Yeah, it wasn't at first against God. It was against my parents primarily and against school teachers. But then it became the police and then it became God. So, and how did that all
1: start? Why were you like that?
0: Well, that's a good question. Uh, I have blamed my parents for all of my life up until very recent years. And God has first worked on me that I had to forgive them and tell them that I loved them while they were still alive. And then in more recent years, I've come to realize that uh, they had a lot of things that they were dealing with in life Hmm. that I never took into account, and that a lot of my bitterness and so on was my own self and my reaction to things. So yeah, there were problems in our home. Uh, my parents, after a couple of years, decided to go different different ways as far as our religious beliefs go. Uh, different churches with quite different doctrines. And it became an argument in our home uh, over where the kids was going to go to school, church every Sunday. and. Uh, different things like that. But still, uh, my parents were really trying, and I realize that now, and they had a lot of things that they were living with. My dad was a Pearl Harbor survivor and fought all the way through up to 1944 in the Pacific. My mom, uh, she had wartime experiences were tough, and uh, she had a hard life before that. Her older brother was killed just 40 days before I was born. Her boyfriend was shot down over Europe as uh, an aviator. Um, You know, a lot of things that weren't talked about. Uh, My dad never talked about the war and so on. But in recent years, I've come to realize more of what he carried inside of him. I went to Vietnam for a couple of years, but I never experienced the things my dad did. Hmm. But
1: it sounded like you carried something with you throughout your life if you had
0: bitterness oh, yes. toward your, oh, yes. your parents. yeah, Very definitely. And God has had to do a lot of work on me, and he's still working on me.
1: Mm-hmm. Hmm. And then, um,
0: and I guess, Sandy, you were an in-fellowship
1: Christian because he found you in church. So <laughs> is that how you would describe yourself at that stage?
2: Yes, I was in this church, and I was... Yeah, involved in it, and then um, when he was in Vietnam, uh, continued to go to church, and then, oh, there was a time that I only went part-time to church once in a while after our oldest son was born, and I was living in Wilmington and working, and he was overseas, and so then I only went a few times. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't say I was totally out of fellowship. I just wasn't growing. I wasn't in fellowship with anybody, you know, nothing with a body of Christ type thing.
1: Right. And then, um, do you remember, did, so I guess you met him that first Sunday when he pulled up on his motorcycle. and
2: That's right. Yeah. And it was unique. The church we went to was a very small church. And here he comes in with all this motorcycle garb on and several older people in the church, and none of them turned their back on him or made any comments against him. They were all very friendly and open to him, and that's what really made a difference. Yeah. And then later on, he, I don't know if he was going to tell, but um, after he got out of service, God took us to eastern Nebraska. I grew up in the city, town, had that was a whole new Lifestyle for me to get used to that out there in eastern Nebraska, but we started going to a little American Union Sunday school where his grandparents had gone. The Sunday school was in a little two-room schoolhouse where his, his mom and and um, her brother had gone to school, and on Sundays they had a little American Union Sunday school there. And through that, through God's word starting to get into our life and the fellowship with another group of farmers that once a month get together in the different homes uh for a Bible study and fellowship and a pastor from Sioux City, Iowa came and through that God started getting hold of our lives again.
1: Okay. So um, So what did he first uh, say to you when you when he first came to Did was this a process? You know you know what it reminds me of? Have you ever seen the a musical Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. No. Oh, okay. In the beginning, you know they live way out in the country, and the oldest brother decides it's about time for him to find a bride. So he goes to town, and and he's just like he's really intentional, and you know he's he means to go home with a bride. Oh. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so it sounded a little bit like that, but. Um, So how did that first start off
0: with you to, what did he say to you? Well, I
2: think Bill couldn't tell what happened out on the tractor when he was out there.
0: Are you talking about when we got, as far as us meeting and getting together? Right. No. Oh, I I thought you were
2: talking about when you got back. We,
0: I took a couple of different girls from the church out on dates and they were disastrous. (laughs) And Sandy was not one that attracted my attention at the time but a young couple who I later found out were relatives of hers uh, had a couple of kids and they invited me over to their place for, for lunch after church one day and uh, so they asked me if I was going to go to the Christmas doings for the singles young people college age and, and I said no I don't think so I don't want to go by myself and and I don't have many to go with. And they said, well, why don't you call Sandy? Sandy? Sandy who? And they said who it was, and I kind of recalled having seen her. And she struck me as being a very straight-laced young lady that would not think about going out with some motorcycle bum. But I gave her a call at their suggestion, and to my surprise, she, she took me up on it. So we went to this restaurant with some of the others, and all evening I told her how much... I was against marriage and how to move mobile homes, which was what I was doing right at that moment. And uh, I've always said that she took it as a challenge because two days short of nine, six months later, we were married. So, all
1: right. Um, but you were, um, and throughout those years, like after that, leading up to, like you said, you were 27. You were 20. Yeah, when I came back, yeah. you were pretty restless. Um, sounds like right. Very. Like,
0: did you recognize you were restless at the time yeah. or that you were searching? I didn't know why. Mm-hmm. You know, it didn't, it wasn't, it didn't until much later it became apparent to me. My real problem was a spiritual one. Mm-hmm. But I was just, I wasn't satisfied with anything I did. Uh, I enjoyed thrills, uh, dangerous work, uh, you know, thrilling experiences, what have you. Couldn't find anything that satisfied me for the long term. I thought I needed some kind of job with some security to it, but nothing that I took a look at attracted me. The stuff that I worked at didn't have any long-term uh, parent security and so on. So I'd work at a job just long enough to sort of learn it, and then I'd go someplace else.
1: Mm-hmm. And then um, do you all have any children? We have two boys. So, were you having children during this time too?
0: No. Okay, it came later. Uh, <clears throat> well, on my boot camp leave from the Navy, I went in the Navy too. Uh, very suddenly, uh, eleven days after I was, I took my physical. I was in boot camp, and I never asked her anything about what she thought about it. I just did it, and uh, but. She was faithful through everything and when we had a boot camp leave, which is just overnight thing. She came down and we got a motel together and she ended up pregnant. Well I didn't find out until I was over in Vietnam and I told her to get an abortion. And and I look back now and I think how strange that was because I love little kids. I didn't want a family. I'm from a big family. I'm the oldest of 16 kids, and my parents' marriage was rocky, and I was bitter, and I didn't want any kids. But it wasn't that so much. It's just I had enough problems in my life, I didn't want another problem. I never even thought about a child. I just thought of another problem, and I told her to get an abortion. Well, praise the Lord, she didn't. But I came back from that first tour in Vietnam. He was five months old the first time I saw him. We were doing maneuvers for a couple of months. Then we got an apartment, very crummy one, but an apartment together for two months. And then I went back to Vietnam for another 13 months. So I never really knew him until about the time he was two years old. And then, uh, well, Get on to it. She ended up having to have her hip joints replaced after he was born, and it wasn't until seven years he was seven years old we had a second one.
1: Okay, um, well, what, um, so you said you were the oldest of 16 kids, yeah. Okay, so, um, what brought about the change, you know, 27. Like, what happened to, that changed your direction in life at that a point? A
0: childhood habit. God worked through a childhood habit. I, when I got out of the Navy, I was still drinking pretty heavy. I smoked. I, I was back. We were back together, and and things were better in some ways. Well, quite a few ways. But... We moved to eastern Nebraska at the invitation of a cousin, a second cousin of mine, and I went to work on a farm. And like Sandy said, there was this schoolhouse out at the end of the lane where my grandparents used to live on a farm. When I was a little kid, any time we ever visited my grandparents, if we were around there on a Sunday, it was just automatic. Everybody went to Sunday school. And uh, in fact, when I was a little kid, they had pretty good attendance there. When we moved back there, uh about I don't know, a very short time after we moved back there, I told her one day, I said, I think we ought to go to Sunday school. And it really surprised her. She asked me why, and I said, I don't know, other than it just seems like the thing to do. We any time I've ever been here and been around here on a Sunday, we always went to that little Sunday school. And besides that, Matt was uh about three and uh, he'd never been to a Sunday school before, and I thought he should go. But you don't send him off to a rural Sunday school out in the middle of no place. Mm-hmm. So we started going to the little Sunday school, and there was only 13, 12, 13, 14 people. But we had a union Sunday school quarterly, and it would have a passage of Scripture and then some... Lesson material about it. And depending on who happened to be teaching, a lot of times it was just we would go through that passage of scripture. Each person would read one verse and then tell about what they thought it meant, which got rather interesting. (laughs) But it tells us in Hebrews that God's word is powerful, it's living, it's sharp, it penetrates, and it did. And and it started getting through to me that this is God's word. It's really true, and it's to me and a, as an individual, not just to everybody in in general. And that was the beginning of the turnaround. Okay. Um, you said a couple things
1: that um, makes it sound like, you know, maybe your marriage you had some rough spots and so forth. <laughs> um, so so, what did you guys go through you know, as far as your your marriage goes?
0: Well, I left uh, we were essentially apart for three years. Wow. Uh, I started running around, uh, had another motorcycle, We'd go out hmm. nights and so on, and then, like I say i well, I quit the job in the oil field, I don't remember, have any idea why I quit it. I just did. We went back up to the town where we'd been married, and I went back to the same employer I'd had in a service station. And then I had tried to get in the Navy when I was 19, and they didn't pass physical, But with Vietnam getting warmed up and they needing warm bodies, why they sent everybody in my classification back through another physical. Well, you took the aptitude exams first, and I placed high enough on them that they slid me by a lot of things that they didn't before. And like I say, 11 days after I took my physical, I was in boot camp. And then I was three months in San Diego and then rode my motorcycle to Great Lakes, Illinois, to school i was five months there came back i was back in california for a couple of days and then on the way to vietnam and was there for eight months came back total of four months went back to vietnam for another 13 so we were basically separated for three years and but it was tough go and it wasn't so much
1: like, um, but it was the military separating you, I guess. Right?
0: Well, it was okay. my attitude. I see. Yeah. Right.
2: Yeah. I, when we went back to Yukaipa, we had a house there for a while and a couple of horses and stuff. And then when he went in the Navy, we sold the horses and got rid of stuff. I moved back in with my mom and um, went back to work in a beauty shop and was working there. Well, I was going to go to work the morning our son was born. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. End up in the hospital and delivering him, but mm-hmm. and then I just um, stayed there until he came back, and then we moved to first Wilmington and, and yeah to Wilmington, I guess where we're at. So anyway, it'd take forever to tell all that.
1: <laughs> so what were you going through during those years of the difficult marriage? Like, um, did the, was that difficult for you? Like, did do you have uh, your, was your home life pretty decent where you realized, well, this isn't how it's supposed to be and that type of thing? Um, I mean, your growing up life, so that you recognized, well, this ain't normal and stuff like that? Or,
2: Well, yeah, he had asked for a divorce, and I got counsel from the past. This is when he was in Vietnam, and uh, got counsel from the pastor. And he said no, and so I wrote to Bill, wrote him back and said, no, if you want a divorce, you have to do it. I'm not going to. Mm-hmm. do this. And I was back in church at that time, going to church again while I was doing that. So, yeah, it was, the Lord took care of it. That's the only thing.
1: So, was was it, did you experience a lot of distress over it and that type of thing? Or
2: Yeah, there was distress. There was, you know, okay, Lord, what do I do? I have a baby now. I'm responsible for this little one. How do I take care of it? And But the Lord got us back together. I
0: knew about babies, she didn't.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I I was the oldest of three girls, but um, my youngest sister is 11 years younger than me, and um, so, anyway, I wasn't around babies a lot in my life.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but it sounds like Bill was around a lot of babies. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Okay, so things changed at 27, like through that Sunday school, um... Meeting in the Word of God. That's kind of interesting about the Bible, um, because like I, if I'm talking with someone about things of the Christianity and so forth, I tend to just um, kind of explain things in my own words. You know, like this is what it's all about. Like if you don't, if you don't know what this is, what Christianity is all about. This is what I believe, and I'll just kind of explain about how. You know we're fallen and sinful, and Jesus died for us. But hearing you makes me wonder if, like, um, you know, if like using the, using the actual words of Scripture
0: is important. So I don't know. Very important. The, Jesus in chapters thirteen, fourteen, and fifteen of uh, John, or 14, 15, and sixteen. I'm sorry, of the Gospel of John explained what the work of the holy spirit the counselor the the other another counselor who's similar to himself what he would do and he said that he would convict the world and that he would teach us and that he would through us would teach others and he does that through the word of god the bible And like I say, in Hebrews, it says it's alive. It's not just a dead book. It's alive. And it actually uh, penetrates and discerns and, and reveals what's in our hearts and so on. And so, yes, I think it's very, very important to use what Scripture says, actually says, and take people to the Bible. In fact, I tell people... Do your own Bible study. Take the Gospel of John, look at the first 14 verses. It's a prologue, and to strike, to get your attention, make you curious. And then, so go through those first 14 verses, ask yourself every question you can think of, pretended that you've never even seen a Bible before, you've never heard of Jesus Christ before. What comes, what? Questions would come into your mind. Write them down, and then read the rest of that book and see Mm -hmm. how many of those questions you can answer just from that book. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then notice what Jesus said about Himself and the miracles that are recorded there. And when you get almost to the end of the book, John tells us why he wrote. And so, when you get to that point, ask yourself the question: Did he succeed in his goal and his uh intention or not mm-hmm. and uh, very good way to study and and if you do it, chances are you'll be a Christian before you get done <laughs> so what was life like
1: after that turning point um was you know when you were twenty seven and things you know, the Word of God started penetrating and getting a hold of you. Um, What are some of the ways that your life and your marriage and things changed after that?
0: Well, like I said, I mentioned to begin with, I smoked, I drank. God just literally took those away from me, took all desire for cigarettes and for liquor away from me. And... Our marriage definitely got better. Uh, I still had a lot to learn about taking her into account when I made up my mind to do something. Um, We, it wasn't very long, and on a tractor one day, and I won't go into all the details of that, on a tractor though one day I told God, okay, you take over, you be God, you be the Lord of my life. I've made a mess out of my life and you have the capability of putting all things together and they work in the whole universe and uh, they fit and they work and I have been in a mess so you take over and things shifted into high gear In uh, three months time we heard more about foreign missions than we had in our lifetime uh, decided I decided pretty much but Sandy went along with it that God was calling us to foreign missions. Then we found out that she needed both of her hip joints replaced, and that took place in a very short time. God provided all the expense for those operations without us doing anything other than just telling him that we wanted to learn how to trust him, or I did. And then God took us uh, the... Well, just one year later, we were in Bible school, both of us, in front, at Frontier School of the Bible in Lagrange, Wyoming. And Matt started to kindergarten, and we both started classes at Frontier. Hmm.
1: So, how were you making ends meet, like being in school, reworking at the same time?
0: Yeah. Well, <laughs> I worked. I worked my friend. Uh, well, we went out there without any job. Uh, In fact, my boss, when I told him I was quitting there in eastern Nebraska, he says, well, how are you going to live? I said, I don't know. God's led us this far. I don't think he's going to drop us. And he says, well, I think you're nuts, but I kind of admire you. And we went out there. God provided work for me. Uh,
2: Classes were just in the morning. Yeah. And then he worked in the
0: afternoon. 7.30 to 12.30, I think it was. And then I, I ended up working one place and then another. Uh, during my freshman and junior years. And then uh, my senior year, I really felt like I needed to put my full time into study. And in the meantime, I had found out that I could get the GI assistance hmm, for school. Yeah. And so I did. And God just provided we didn't live high on the hog, but we lived well enough. And and uh, I didn't work my senior year.
1: So the problem you've had with your hips, Sandy, um was that related to uh the birth of your first child is it No, or? I had okay.
2: rheumatoid arthritis uh juvenile rheumatoid arthritis when I was 18 18 yeah Acute juvenile arthritis when I was 18, flare up and then um it went in remission for a few years, came back when I was 26 and then um
0: both um, got out twenty nine yeah
2: when got out of the navy, ended up needing to have both hips replaced, and then i've had three surgeries in each hip, so over the years
1: and does the arthritis mainly just affect your hips or your whole body in different places
2: Well, for a long time it was just my hips, but now it's quite other parts of my body too yeah okay
1: and is, is arth- I imagine arthritis is pretty painful, is that right
2: not not all that for me not all okay. that much not I mean at times yeah but not bad it's just destroying the the bone and the joints
1: okay so not so much maybe the nerves but the bones and it keeps you from functioning I guess as you want to I guess
2: yeah my hands are becoming more disabled and my neck is getting all cockeyed and stuff but
1: okay um Well, you know, something you've mentioned a couple of times is like learning to take Sandy into account in your decisions and stuff. So is that like a process that you've learned over the years? Still trying to learn. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. God
2: took after Bible school. He didn't say yet, But when we were in Bible school, God challenged us, continued for missions. And God took us to Brazil for 20 years. Okay. So... Yeah.
1: So, um, had, was that something you were also realizing that he wasn't taking you into account, or was it like you were just used to it and you didn't really realize the problem so much?
2: <laughs> I guess I was used to it, but also you know, a wife is subject to her husband, and if that's where God was leading him, that's where I want to go. So right, yeah. and could see God working it out and providing and got us there very unique um we were after we finished well i just did two years bible school and our youngest son was born last year i was home and um but we stayed in wyoming raising support and that came very slowly and we had what about getting close to our support and There was problems because Brazilian constitution and stuff, and we were trying to get our visas and stuff to go and getting airfare and all that, and we thought we were about ready to go. And the same day that we found out that we received our visa for Brazil, we received a letter in the mail from this couple that had been supporting us, almost half of our support, saying they can no longer support us. Hmm. So the same day we received the visa... Half of our support dropped. Our mission, I think they said seventy-five or seventy-eight percent. We needed of their recommended support to go to Brazil. <clears throat> so we contacted our board, and you know whatever you say. If you're not in the country within, is it ninety, 90 days, days after you get your visa, you have to start the whole process all over again, which includes all the payments and the paperwork and everything. And so the board prayed about it, and they said, "Go ahead and go." So we went on half support, but God provided we never lived luxuriously, but God took us there and provided and had us there to help start two churches, and kept us going.
1: <laughs> so you entered into missions, and I guess is it what you've been doing ever since then, different you places, might, yeah. different ways?: sort of, I guess. And what what was the main way you were serving there at FIRST in Brazil?
0: Well, we ended up doing just a little bit of everything. Um, I thought when we we were getting ready to go that I would do full-time maintenance. And, in fact, we did go out to where our camp, we had a camp built on an island in the middle of a reservoir, and I went out there to do maintenance and construction. But I found that I wasn't satisfied only to do that. And so I went to visit, visiting people around the area, uh, taught Sunday school, uh, started a little Sunday school in a uh, fishing village, um, later taught theological education by extension, which is offering a courses, a regular course of study in a location where people are at. And uh, college-level courses, but just one mat- one subject. And I did that, and then I taught a couple of semesters at the Bible Institute out there. And later God took us to, well, because of her fin- uh, health situation, we had to go to Fortaleza, the capital city of our state, And while we were there, I got involved with first with taking a team of young people from the seminary out on weekends for open-air meetings and so on, and then uh, through a conversation with a guy in a parts store, uh, ended up starting a church in a new housing area, and then God took us to another area of the state and with intentionally to start a church there, and God used us in starting another church. So a little bit of everything over the 20 years we were there.
1: Yeah. Um, I know we're kind of jumping around, but like, kind of going back to just being a part of such a large family, the oldest of 16 kids, so... Um, What was that like? Um, Just, you know, such a big noisy, (laughs) (laughs) Noisy.
0: We were never all of us together at one time. Never once in our lives. Um, I'm 24 years older than my youngest brother. In fact, our older son is uh, older than my youngest brother. And I left home before I got out of high school. Uh, So did my next younger sister and brother, uh, and then the fourth one, she finished high school, but then she became an a American wetback and lived in Mexico. It was illegal for eight years. There was a lot of things. Uh, I've got home movies that go back to 1947, and showing them to a couple of the students here a while back, they said that 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 looks like a dream to us. Uh, because, naturally, we we my folks filmed the, the birthday parties and the Christmas, you know, and that sort of thing. But, and there, as I look back, there were good times. But, again, because of a lot of different things, I grew up bitter. And so did my, uh, the older ones of us, anyway. Now, I talked to some of my younger brothers and sisters, and they aren't as much. Even though they went through the divorce, I and mean, my folks divorced after 33 years and 16 kids. And then my dad remarried was married for 20 years after that before he died. So, But the oldest ones, I think, were a lot of the bitterness was because we could remember the couple of years that my fo- family was really united when my parents were going to church together. And we were reading the Bible together and doing things together. And it was only those just a couple of years. And when things started falling apart between my folks, uh we turned bitter. So
1: um so you have fond memories of that time when you were going to church together and there's more stability in your I life. Do. Okay. I do. And then the what's the main problem your parents were having
0: over like doctrinal issues or something? Yes. Okay, yes. wow. That was that was the start of a lot of. Underneath there were probably others problems too, but that was the visible what. Uh, what the arguments were about and and the problems and so on. Yeah. So,
1: were they two really different type of denominations or directions? Was it like Catholic Protestant type of
0: thing? Uh, not quite that, but close. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I see. Traditional Baptist and. Very way out Pentecostal. Okay. And uh, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. That
1: seems. Um, that's like not a common thing. I think you know, like marriage problems over doctrine. You know. <laughs> but yeah, in our family it was right. And um. And then it just resulted in like different churches and just I guess arguments and stuff like that. Huh?
0: Yeah, my. We, we would decide, as kids, we decided which church we wanted to go to, depending on which one we had friends in, or mm-hmm. or what we could get away with. My dad's church was a big church, and a very good church, in fact, but it was big, and so my brother and sister, and I would occasionally go with him so that I could do it, uh and when it, it, he would go to a, the, the adult Sunday school class, and they would head it off over to the whatever class they were in. Well, instead of going to class, they just head out the back door and go mouse around town all the, during, and come back there we at the end of the church, and my dad none the wiser. And I would take one of my friends from my mom's church and go to my dad's church sometimes just so we could go out and mouse around town. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's... Uh,
1: do you have any thoughts about, um, like, for a couple who might have some kind of um, irreconcilable difference like that? Like, you wouldn't, you you know, you expect people to kind of hold true their to their convictions, you know? Mm-hmm. But um, you don't want all that damage to a family and kids. So do you have any thoughts about, no. like, what could have been better,
0: you know? It, it, it there is a problem there. Um... A real big problem was my mom's attitude of if my dad didn't do what she thought he should be doing scripturally, then that let her off of her end of the bargain. If you go to Ephesians and Colossians, talks about the, the, what the structure in a Christian family should be. And the wife, and it's clear, should be not only in subjection to her husband, she should honor and reverence her husband. And my mom didn't. And, yeah, there was reasons, so, you know, some of them. My dad worked a railroad, and he was gone an awful lot of the time. And uh, But she flat out told me, she said, that, you know, he doesn't do his part, and therefore I'm not subject to that and that was a major difficulty Uh, and like I say, my my folks had things going on inside their minds, I'm sure, Mm -hmm. from their experiences and I was born in 1945 between the armistice in Europe and the armistice in Japan, so it was all Mm -hmm. new memories recent memories and so on for both of them, and I'm sure that had an effect on on their relationship and all, but um, anything your dad could have done
1: different that would have made the home life better in a situation where the wife is kind of um, not on board and so forth
2: Part of the thing I think was Bill's dad was a railroad mm-hmm. and he was gone a lot, and so that put a lot more responsibility on her just running and caring for everything, but yet he had to support the family and that's the job he had. Mm-hmm. So, right. made it hard. Yeah?
0: I, I know a little of what what he felt like because for a time when we were getting ready to go to Brazil, I worked a job. Uh, we needed to make a bunch of money to pay off doctor bills of hers. And I worked a job in a uh, uranium mine about 160 miles from where we lived. And so I would go up there all week and then come home on the weekend and even though we were getting along fine and everything uh i came home it seemed like there were always problems the cars broke down the the sink is stopped up the places froze up there wasn't enough heat in the house etc and and then I was preaching in a church 50 miles the other direction over Sunday that we went to get together, but we made that. So I'm home a short time, and there's always all this stuff that you got to take care of. Well, it would be easier just to stay up there than to come home. So I can understand some of what my dad felt like. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet I look back, and my folks really tried to to give us a life that they hadn't had. They they grew up, both of them, through the Depression, and both of them had very hard times of it. And, uh, and they tried to give us, and then, like I say, the oldest three of us turned out to be very rebellious and very uh, bitter and so on. And I think my folks just kind of lost heart.
1: Hmm. Were you able to maintain... Um Relationships with your mom and dad as they got older and so forth.
0: And years through, later, years later, after God worked on my heart, mm-hmm. um, yes, um, and we would go and visit them every once in a while, and and I I went to both of them intentionally and told them I love you. Said it verbally, even though I didn't feel it. Uh, I I've learned that true love. Biblical love is not an emotion. It's a decision. God loved us when we were rebellious, when we were absolutely, the scripture is very clear, we had nothing to attract him, and yet he loved us. Jesus Christ loves us and decided to die for us. And we are commanded as husbands to love our wives That's not an emotion. It's a decision. And uh, so. And how do you define love? Putting that other person first. Okay. Uh, Scripture tells us that we should love, as a husband, we should love our wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Well, how much do you give? Everything. Hmm. Yeah. And it doesn't doesn't say if you like her. Mm-hmm. It says you love her. Right. Different thing. Yep. Um,
1: well, um, I guess... One thing I'm interested in is like, what's your, just each of you, what's your relationship with God like now as far as how do you experience Him where it's more than just uh, knowing things because you've been told or reading them, but it's like some kind of a real connection with God that you experience. Like, what is that like um, for you all?
2: I guess it's just through reading the word every day, you know, and he points out scriptures and you say, grow in that, and he points out things and shows you, and sometimes bring other books or whatever people into your life that challenge you
1: mm-hmm. Okay, so it's kind of like um like feeling like he's speaking to you, taught you know, instructing you, growing you, that type of right. thing,
0: okay. That and <clears throat> seeing and going back over the things that God has done in our lives, uh how He's provided for us, how He continues to provide for us, um, and it's you do is you. I've been reading Bible through every year since I was in Bible school. In 1973 to 76, I was in Bible school and started in that time reading the Bible through every year. And I've done it every year since. And yet, I still get hit with something new every, you know, all the time. And was struck just recently over in fact very recently that our motivation for obedience should be a desire to make our father happy Hmm. and and that was never my motivator Uh, when I was with my parents when I was growing up it was fear of retribution and even though I know that my salvation is secure in Jesus Christ, still that has been my motivator to obey God is, I know there's going to be consequences if I don't. And to really consider that, and it's clear enough in Scripture, and yet it never struck me that a motivator should be to make him pleased, make him happy, make him satisfied. Uh, you know, you feel great if your kid does what he's supposed to, and so on. And and God isn't any different. He he gets pleasure out of our willing obedience. And oh, so, and I think too, my my expression personally, my expression of love, has been for a number of years, serving, Uh, I'm a full-time maintenance man here at the school, the thing that I thought that I was going to do 40 years ago when we went to Brazil, but I don't think I was spiritually prepared for that at that time. Uh, It's not easy to uh, work full-time and maintenance, day in and day out, and do it as a truly spiritual service. Um, Satan's the accuser of the brethren; he'll get on your case, telling you you're not really doing anything. You know, anybody can do that. Anybody can be do plumbing or wiring or digging a ditch or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, the important ones are the ones over there in the classroom, and uh, that's not not true. Mm-hmm. But. Uh, But to do it, and then the other motivator for me is I'm 77 years old. How many more years do I have left? Only here on this earth do I have the opportunity to work the way I work for God. Uh, Not that I think I'll be doing nothing in heaven, but I don't think I'll be working like I am (laughs) here. So that's a motivator. Um. When do you feel most satisfaction
1: in your life? Like, are, are there any particular experiences or types of thing work that you're doing or anything that's just exceptionally, like, uh, just, you know, satisfying?
2: Well, I think when you see fruit of your labor, when you see God working in other people's lives that you've had a small, tiny part in their life and you can see how God is using them and they're going on for Him. Mm -hmm. To me, that's the greatest.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) That and uh, another thing that I get great satisfaction out of doing because never felt like I had much means to do it in the past, and that's giving. Uh, Giving to other people to their... Uh, Christian life and, and ministry uh, and trying to keep it totally anonymous mm-hmm. and being able to be a blessing to somebody else. And God has just has enabled us, even though our income isn't any too high compared to other people. Uh, he's also cut our expenses to just about nothing and we're able to give in a way that we were never able to in the past and it brings great satisfaction. Now there's other things too. I it, when I do a job and especially if it's one that's been a real puzzler and such and and it comes out right, whether it be getting an engine to run or getting a circuit to work or or you know a lot of things like that, I get satisfaction out of that too.
1: Right. Any kind of particular routines or practices that structure your day or your weeks or anything like that that's been helpful to you?
0: Well, I get up usually at 5 in the morning, and the first thing I do is my Bible reading. and. and then I also I answer questions on gotquestions.org on the internet in oh, Portuguese. I've seen that, yeah. And so I'm part of a team of people that answers the questions in Portuguese. And it keeps me in the Portuguese language. It also keeps me digging in my Bible. And I do that... Uh, that on the computer and my writing and so on early in the morning also before the rest of the day gets started that's probably about the most structured my life is (laughs) everything else is. (laughs) Mm -hmm. whenever the phone call Mm -hmm. uh, phone rings uh, another disaster (laughs) yeah
2: he he starts his day with a list and he might get one thing done after all the phone calls (laughs) that's on the list yeah right yeah, I guess for me the same I get up later. I don't get up as early as he does, but I get my coffee and my Bible and that's right. the main start of the day.
1: So I have a a, a new friend like I met a fellow at the gym and his wife is from Brazil. Mm. She's Seventh Day Adventist. Mm. And uh I get the impression that in her congregation there's quite a few people from Brazil perhaps um or um I don't know, I feel like they they may be an ethnic group of some type, but is is that pretty common down there, Seventh-day Adventist types of
0: churches? Uh, not as much in the area of Bruce Hill where we were at. Okay. Um, we had a... well, two,
2: <coughs> two people, two couples that came to know the Lord.
0: No, they were, they were uh, Jehovah's Witnesses. Oh, is
2: that what it was? Yeah. Okay.
0: Or had been part of Jehovah's Witness study anyway. That was their introduction to actually opening the Bible and looking at it was Jehovah's Witness and God used it. They both of them had dropped out of the Jehovah's Witness feeling. It was something that just wasn't right there. Mm-hmm. And then when we introduced them to the gospel, it was the yeah, and they became pillars of our church, really. Mm-hmm. But uh no, our part of Brazil didn't have near as much Seventh-day Adventist uh, influence, but there was a lot of uh, of uh, Jehovah's Witness and Mormon mm-hmm. in our area. And then uh, back in times gone by, they, northeast Brazil was probably the strongest Roman Catholic area in the world. Mm-hmm. And up through the... 40s probably, 50s maybe. And uh, as they started losing their influence and power, uh, Satan come along with other things to take place. And so the ones that were strongly Roman Catholic are now strongly Jehovah's Witness or strongly Mormon and and Uh. denounce the Catholic Church. (laughs) But they're still just as lost as they were. So um,
1: you mentioned you know, opening up the gospel or sharing the gospel with them. Um, So I found that the gospel is a pretty uh, powerful thing, like almost like a bomb. Mm -hmm. Um, And even for things that don't seem to relate, like, you you know, I have experienced um, some kind of a problem and distress and so forth, and then being impacted by the gospel and somehow um, reading something like not long ago, I was reading Galatians and... And just realizing uh, that through Jesus I am justified before God and accepted um, by Him, and somehow that makes everything all right. You know, it's mm-hmm. like feeling—you uh, know—I'm no matter what else happens, I'm okay in God's creation. I belong here. He's pleased with me, all because of what Jesus has done. Um. But it's it's not always easy to carry around with me. Uh, you know, like sometimes that impacts me and it's like, well, great. But other times it's just,
0: well, I know it, but, you know, it's just. In today's circumstances and the problems of today, it kind of gets lost in the shuffle. We're right. subject to spiritual amnesia. Yeah. Um, it's. I'm still the same person as far as personality that I've always been. And uh, I was, if I had been a kid today, they'd have labeled me with a string of labels. Um, I'm super active, probably hyperactive, uh, excitable, determined. She compares me to a bulldog. Uh, and those traits are still there. And, uh, yeah, a lot of things I know in my head, and I even know them in my heart, but they, I tend to forget them in this heat of the moment or the distress of the problem and so on. The same thing goes with finances. Uh, we have seen God provide in truly miraculous ways. Uh, her hip surgeries, we've had, she's had surgeries when we had no insurance, she's had surgery when we've had insurance, Um, God has provided, you know, to the tune of hundreds of thousands of dollars, literally, Hmm. and yet, I remember very well one time in Brazil, when we had some little Something I don't remember, hundred, two hundred dollars, and I was got so upset and worried about it that I actually got physically sick. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, until one day it struck me, what on earth are you doing? You know, God has provided to the tune of thousands, and you're worried about a, a hundred or two, mm-hmm. you know. And, but we we do that, you know, we mm-hmm. we we have to be continually reminded like you say uh reminded from the word and then look back and see what God has done in our own lives and mm-hmm. and keep on keeping on well i guess we should wrap up but
1: is there anything else that um you'd like to bring up beforehand um you know just any kind of topic or just anything else to say before we just wrap up our conversation?
0: Well, uh, it seems that of quite a bit has been about our relationship as a husband and wife mm-hmm. and as a man to learn to really truly appreciate my wife has been an ongoing lesson that God has been working on me for years and uh, like proverbs thirty one says The price of a good woman is beyond rubies, and guys learn to value your wife hmm.
1: all right,
2: I think the Lord just we've been through a lot of difficulties, but then a lot of blessings and joys, and seen God work in marvelous ways. And I think just keeping my f- focus, you know, when there are difficulties, the Lord pushes me to keep my focus on Him. Don't look at the problem. Just look at my all-powerful, all-knowing, all-wise God. He has it in control. And my, I don't know if it's a say favorite verse or my life verse, I don't know if I can quote it co- correctly, but... Colossians 1 10 where he says and we pray this that you walk worthy of the Lord please him in every way uh, bear fruit in every good work and grow in the knowledge of God and that's that's my verse that's what I want in my life
1: all right well thank you Sandy thank you Bill I appreciate it